0: Thank you all for tuning in to episode 16 of the AFT Construction Podcast. And today our guest is Brian Welker, President and Founder of Sunridge Hotel Group. And we wanted to bring Brian on to give a little insight to the hotel industry. So Brian and his firm have been developing hotels, different chains, different product lines, and especially lately they've been working with the Marriott brand. So we dive in a little bit about the hotel industry, FF and E. Uh, feasibility studies and what goes into running the construction and then of course the actual management of the hotel itself. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. I am Brad Levitt and today we're excited to have Brian Welker, who's the president of Sunridge Properties. Hey Brad. Good to be with you. Yeah well we're excited to bring Brian on and the reason we wanted to bring him on so Brian has a lot of expertise in in the hotel industry and they own 14 Marriott's at 200 Construction right?
1: That's correct. Yeah, we have actually we have one Holiday Inn and we have uh, thirteen Marriotts and two under construction. And
0: we so, where are the two under construction right now?
1: Uh, right now in La Quinta, California, and uh, we're doing a Marriott Residence in there and a Marriott Residence inn in in uh, Sedona, Arizona.
0: So, one thing I noticed, and this wasn't on our notes, so I'm going to throw them a curveball here. So, I walk into their office and they have. I said, "It looks like we're in the trophy room, right, Brian?" So yeah. I come in and they have all these amazing trophies from Marriott, and so. I definitely want to touch on that later of how those trophies come into play and why you're awarded by Marriott, by that brand. Okay. So we'll come back to that. We'll just leave that as a little um, teaser there for our audience. All right. So Brian, you know, as far as the hotel industry goes, what, um, what super, what are you looking for when you're researching a location?
1: Well, we're looking for, uh, uh, you know, somewhere that's obviously not oversaturated with hotels already. And, uh. Uh, we're looking for areas that are, are developing, that are um, or that have a strong business base. Uh, sometimes we look at markets that you know just haven't had a hotel. They they got some old tired product in the in the market and haven't had anything new. But uh, so uh, we look at all those factors. And uh, but you definitely need uh, strong uh, business drivers that uh, that uh, will provide the business once you build it so, so
0: how are you tracking some of that information so if i understand i mean you're looking at a city and then you're trying to figure out you know how saturated it is based on other occupancy and hotels that are there and yeah you know travel i mean you're kind of guessing how many people are traveling that area
1: yeah yeah we'll you know we do a we will do a study ourselves uh, uh uh that you know we put together and we look at you know we try to figure out what what the hotels are doing there we look at the brands that are there we figure uh, with the Marriott brand has a strong uh probably one of the strongest uh, uh rewards programs and people that really you know follow Marriott and if they don't have a Marriott in that market uh, we feel like uh that's a uh, you know a benefit for us right there but uh but we'll look at uh, you know we've tried to figure out what occupancies are what uh uh, what the other hotels are doing, what kind of condition they're in, if they need more product in the market. And we, we can usually determine pretty good by doing our own uh, feasibility study, The what we can do.
0: And does that, you know, depending on that feasibility study, does that uh, depend on your strategy when you're looking at, do we want like a residence in where it's going to be more like a stay with a kitchenette or do we want something that's more, hop-and-go? I mean, are you right. looking at that as well? What brand do you want to use?
1: Yeah, yeah, you'll look at different brands, and they you know, the cost to build the different brands is a key factor, too, but, uh, some markets, uh, like, uh, that are close to military bases. We have, uh, properties that are close to military bases in smaller communities, but, uh, uh you know they have a lot of long-term stays and uh you know we've had people stay with us two years uh oh wow and uh so so we'll look at markets with a if we feel like there's going to be that five nights or longer we'll we'll look at more like the town place suites or a uh, residence inn or you know or home two suites or homewood suites or you know a, a product like that but uh if we feel like it's going to be more one to three nights you know we'll look at more like the spring hill suites a courtyard uh uh, Fairfield Inn, and, and uh,
0: you know, and, and you kind of determine the cost to build those, and and uh, you know, is there a percentage difference, you know, in cost when you're looking at you know doing a courtyard by Marriott, or you're looking at doing a Residence Inn? I mean, is there not to pin down the exact percentage, but it, are we looking at a 20 percent increase, you know, 50 percent? What does that look like? Because you are putting kitchens in all of them, right? So there are a lot more, you know, from a contractor side that I'm involved in. You have you know the cabinetry and. Plumbing fixtures and you know all those little elements yeah. one of that.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely more, but it, it probably you know will bump it up twenty uh, percent to thirty percent um, you know by putting kitchenettes in every room, in dishwashers and full size refrigerators and and uh, stovetops and all that kind of stuff. It, and and the square footage of the room is bigger too, so it's uh, it definitely adds some cost
0: so how does that does that affect also the maintenance side of things with staff you know as you know the the length that it takes them to clean each room and to maintain that I mean how does that come into play it does,
1: but there's other variables too i mean uh, the, the on a long term stay they don 't get a full clean every day like a regular hotel room, so you you save money on on uh, on the ongoing cost day to day day to day the day to day cleaning and, and maintenance of the room but uh, uh, maintenance wise yeah there 's definitely more issues to to deal with uh, down the road with dishwashers and refrigerators and all that kind of stuff so
0: so if someone comes to you and they're whether they be in the military or maybe they 're house flooded and they need a six month you know stay in the hotel mm-hmm. so so you 're working on that that'd be a different contract if you will with the end user right than a normal person like myself that's booking for a three-day vacation sure
1: yeah yeah there's different tiers uh depending on the length of stay and you know usually the price goes down the longer the stay so um so in our extended stay properties that's kind of how they operate and and uh and we do get a lot of that we get a lot of people who are out of their house because it was caught on fire or had a flood or something like that and uh we we get a lot of those customers we get a lot of people that are just there you know, opening like maybe a new store or something, they might have a whole crew come in for two, three weeks and uh fixturizing and doing that kind of stuff. I mean you get all kinds of different uh things that go on. Some some leisure markets people just come and like to hang out in better weather better weather or something like or that. Spring or spring training they maybe spring, come for the
0: month for sh- baseball.
1: Spring training, uh yeah. It's a that's a
0: Come watch their Cubs from Chicago. They do. we get a lot of those. So yeah, yeah, it's it's good business. We see a lot of those. I mean, with Barry Jackson coming up, and you know the Waste Management Open and spring training. I mean, for me, it's like I don't even want to drive in Scottsdale right now. So
1: yeah, yeah, the the whole valley gets overloaded. So uh, it's it's good business. So it's March is always a good month to be in the hotel business.
0: Oh, it is for sure. I just wish the other eleven were just like (laughs) it. (laughs) So now that you bring that up, I mean, I want to talk about something that was off air a little bit. I know you were looking at a property um, out in Wyoming, right? No, this wasn't Wyoming. It was... um, Montana. Montana. Yeah, this was Montana. And so that one was a little bit different because most of the properties you have, you're developing, whereas this was looking at coming in to purchase an existing property. Mm -hmm. And so what are some of the things you're looking at when you're maybe venturing to purchase a a, a new property?
1: Well, uh, that hasn't been our... our, uh, Modus Strat- operandi, our strategy. Yeah, the, we uh, we uh, have always developed our own, like you like you mentioned. But uh, this particular property was of interest to us up there. It was about a year old. Uh, the people who had it had a group of hotels, and and uh, the investor wanted to get out of the hotel business, and uh, so we just thought, it and it was still ramping up. It, you know we thought we could improve on the numbers that it did and and do okay, but. That was kind of a one-off. It's not really, uh, it's not really our strategy you know, most of the time, but every once in a while you get something like that. We ended up not getting it, so, uh, but uh, anyway, you get something like that that comes along, and it's a special situation, and we'll take a look at it. But.
0: So something like that, though, but that property we talked about, so you're looking at it because it's, it's busy in the winter when you have ski season. And in the summer, when people are there golfing, but then you have a lot of months there where there's a lot of downtime, right? Yeah, wintertime
1: there, actually, there's not a the ski season one. It wasn't as great as we thought it might be, but uh, summertime, it's pretty busy. That's when you make most of the money at that particular property. And so, um, <clears throat> but we thought, you know, there's, there's maybe some opportunities there that, uh, that we could have improved upon. You know, we thought, felt like we could have done a little better job, you know, cultivating some new... Uh, new business there, but uh, anyway, we were we were a little bit late to the party and and uh, uh, didn't didn't get that one. So
0: yeah, well that's it goes that way sometimes. We yeah. look at development our side, you know, in and, and acquisition and, and sometimes certain numbers don't work or you know the back and forth. And totally understand how that goes. So how has it changed with uh, you know Starwood, which is right? That's the managing partner entity of all the Marriotts, correct?
1: No, no, Starwood uh Starwood was a whole separate hotel company and okay. uh, they had Weston, and they had uh Aloft and you know a lot of different brands Ritz like
0: Carlton and No, Ritz no, Carlton was, was
1: always part of Marriott and okay. uh they had Sheraton um and uh so anyway they they had about 10 brands but the the most popular ones were probably Weston and Sheraton and Aloft and
0: So, have all those come over under the Marriott umbrella? Yep, Marriott bought
1: them and uh so they're all part of Marriott now, so uh, they're all under the Marriott flag, and they're they're still uh, combining the the two brands and or the two companies, and, and they've got through most of the hard stuff now. And but there's always a lot of bumps in the road when you do that. And um, but it, but it's all
0: it's there's a lot of people, a lot of entities, a lot of rewards points, right? A lot of things oh, yeah. you're trying to figure out. Yeah. So how has that impacted um, business for you? You know, now with more versatility in the market you know a bigger umbrella if you will of of companies has that changed what you guys are doing has it changed occupancy or traffic
1: well it's uh overall i mean you go on to marriott.com and you'll see uh you'll see a lot of you know you'll see a lot of a lot more properties when you're looking for a location uh, like in phoenix or la or you know denver wherever you're going but uh because uh, you've added all those new brands, there's thirty brands between the two companies. There's thirty hotel brands now, and uh, uh, and we're like, as developers, are like, okay, there's <laughs> that—that's enough brands now. But uh, but they kind of cover just about everything, you know, lifestyle, leisure, you know, high end resort. The the uh, you know they also have the vacation club and uh, Bonvoy. Yeah, the the business the business. Uh, type hotels uh you know they they cover the whole span a lot, extended stay uh a variety of extended extended stay brands and so they uh yeah they they cover pretty much everything now but the two companies are now all one and and uh, you can find just about it. it it's affected us in a few locations where we it's added when people go on to search for the hotel at, you know in our particular area well there was a uh, four Points or a Sheraton close to us and, and so all of a sudden they, they're showing up with us when somebody's searching that location so that, that so you're hurts. almost competing with yourself yeah, for another franchisee if you want with another franchisee yeah
0: mm-hmm. we're we're competitors now uh, uh, more direct competitors so um. so you know for those who aren't familiar with the hotel industry um, you know are most of the Marriott chain a lot of them franchisees are some of them corporate owned almost it's almost all franchisee now yeah yeah Marriott
1: corporate doesn't own they the Marriott family owns some some of their own The Marriott corporate I think they've you know partnered up on a few projects but very very few there's most of it. it's all franchise now so
0: and I know that some hotels even they'll have developers that develop the hotel property and then they'll sign a lease agreement with a hotel at least when I worked on one in Paradise Valley that was the case where the developers out of California they had a 20-year lease with IHG and a continental hotel group, right? They had a 20 year agreement and because of the economy, some things change and long story short, Omni now takes it over, but you know, everything that you're doing, you own, right? So you own yes. the building, you own the land. You're not doing a land lease. You're not doing, no. um, you know, a lease of the property. These are owned yep. and operated. They're all owned and operated by us.
1: Our, our little company, we have our, our 16 properties that uh, that we own and manage, and and we're not, you know, it's confusing to the general public a lot of times because people will say, "Oh, I stayed at your property," and I'm like, "Well, that's not my property." Yeah, <laughs> but I said uh, your
0: property in Colorado, and you're like, "Well, that's not yeah, really us." Yeah, but, yeah I have yeah.
1: one, you know, I have one here and here, but uh, that that's not ours. But uh, so we just, yeah, we own and operate and manage uh, just what we own and build.
0: So, how does um, what, what's the accountability from Marriott? I mean, is there um, whether it be the application process or just that constant you know supervision by them as a franchisee to make sure that the property's up to speed you know cleanliness and and, and to fit their brand, are there certain requirements that you 're trying to meet regularly or inspections or how how do they keep tabs on so many different franchisees and properties
1: yeah they, they uh, have a pretty extensive process where they uh, you know we 're inspected every year we're you know we have to they monitor, you know, what we're doing on uh, on different initiatives that they come out with, and and so we have to we have to manage to their specifications, and uh, um they'll send out an inspection team once a year, and so we'll uh you know so we we typically are ready for them and, and do pretty well, but uh, not everybody is so, uh but um yeah they they keep a good.
0: And, and does this have to do with the awards? I know we kind of hung that teaser out there at the beginning, but when I walked in, and that was something that I was unaware of. So I started asking you about all these awards you have from Marriott, and, and how do you win these awards? What does it entail to be awarded? And you had mentioned that you're one of the you know one of the smaller developers in the Marriott family. However, you've won the you know the the top awards seven times, which is a tie for right? No one's wanted more than seven. So we're talking about that's like the most Super Bowls, right? You're kind of at that lead. So what, what goes into that? Explain to our listeners how that's tracked and how you become awarded.
1: Well, that's a, that's a multifaceted award. It's called the Marriott Partnership Circle Award. And it, uh, if, if you're a developer that has various brands, I think three to five, at least three, uh, at least three other brands or four other brands, um, and uh, you're actively developing, you have stuff in the pipeline and and then uh, they look at your guest satisfaction scores if you're you know all over a certain threshold for your guest satisfaction scores and uh uh your your what they call their b s a inspection uh, brand standard audit that they do um they uh if if you're all green and you know good good on all those different s- inspections then then you qualify for that award and so you know typically uh yeah they typically have seven or eight uh, franchise companies that win that at their owners' conference each year. This last year, with the addition of Starwood, there was about twenty. So they've because wow. they added a lot of properties. But uh, so that's a something we're pretty proud of here. But uh, we've we've won various awards for different things, just uh, 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 for best new opening. Uh, so what would that tell If you're best new opening, what are they looking at? They're on best new opening. They're looking at uh, when they came out to open the property. All. All your rooms were up and ready. Your, uh, the place was clean. It looked like it was ready to open. A lot of times they show up and it still looks like a construction zone, and they're like, <laughs> uh, "But uh, so they they look at that, um, and then your your ramp up. You know, if you had a lot of pre sales done, and you ramp up rapidly over that first year, it's over the course of the year, and and you hit certain thresholds on your occupancy and whatnot. So it's uh, uh, so we've we've we're able to win that a couple of times, uh, I think, for one of our town place suites and one of our Fairfields and...
0: So, so, speaking about up and ready, because I've, I've worked on hotels, you know, and so I understand that complexity from a contractor. From the builder's side, you're trying to finish all these rooms. You know, the developer yourself, I would imagine you're managing the FF&E, right, which is... Right. ...the, the furnishings and everything that's going in the fixtures, you know... And equipment, yeah. ...and equipment. Um, so, how is that marriage taking place with you and your contractor? Because there's a lot to get done... In that small window before you open those doors there is. Uh, we've used the same
1: contractor. we used to do our own general contracting and decided when we got enough properties it was too much to try to be the contractor and you know open them and operate them and so uh, we've used the same contractor now the last 20 years, so uh, we've got a pretty good understanding of how we do that, but they uh, we're pretty involved with the construction process. Uh, we work closely with our, our general contractor and And, uh, so we set our, our timelines and we come in, you know, my, my guys come in and, uh, start putting the furniture in pretty much once they have the carpet down in the rooms. And, and, uh, so it's just all, all timing and
0: it's, it's gotten harder to get the timing down. Especially now, like how is that affecting you? You have two in construction, you know, based on the current market and labor. I mean, how's that impacting these two under construction?
1: It, it's affected it quite a bit. It's, you know, where we used to knock these things (coughs) out and in uh you know about 12 months 11 12 months like clockwork uh, we could pretty much count on it and our and our timeline would be uh just right on on target every time well anymore as you well know uh, you can't get enough crew you know enough guys on the cruise there uh to to man up and, and get the job done so we're it's uh and then it throws everybody off if you get one guy that that throws off the schedule and. And uh, so it's, it's, been a, it's been a struggle. It's, it's tough. You just can't find enough labor. These, these crews, uh, different contractors,
0: they can't, you know, they don't have the crews that they used to. And, and the quality, I mean, the pro- part of the problem is for us is that you have, um, I mean, it's tough enough in Phoenix Metro, mm-hmm. you know, with the commercial and residential. But the, for you, it's even more challenging because you're building in Flagstaff, you're building in Sedona, you're yeah. in Colorado and now California. And there's, those are markets where... It's even more limited than what we have in Metro Phoenix.
1: Right. Yeah. It is difficult. We just finished a project in Colorado that uh, was probably our our most difficult project ever. And you'd think after doing as many as we have over the years uh, that you know we it'd be a still be a piece of cake. But it was just uh, we we just had some really bad subs. We had to replace a couple of subs and during the middle of construction and you know that always
0: throws your schedule off and and uh, but yeah it was it was a uh, a lot of fun build. So on, on, on a good project, you know, you're hoping 12 months. How many rooms is typical on, on a hotel that you do? We are, you know, our
1: our average is probably 90 to 100 rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, we do uh, the smaller uh, limited service type properties, uh, but uh, we have some anywhere from 70 to to uh, 120. You uh, know, we have a couple under development now that that are about 150 rooms. So. Um, a little bigger, a little, little bit bigger,
0: but uh, if you're in the right location, uh, we can make that happen. So, and is there a certain occupancy rate that you're trying to average throughout the year? I mean, is there a number there that you guys internally are looking at? As high as we can get it, <laughs> <laughs> 99%, ninety-nine percent, Ninety nine. percent.
1: No, no uh, yeah, you definitely have. Uh, you know, the, the national average is sixty-five percent uh, for for the national occupancy, uh, but. uh, you know that's pretty tough. You're, you know, that's taking into account a lot of big resorts and properties with a lot of, lot of rooms. But uh, it's hard on 100 rooms if you're at 65 percent. You're, you're just getting by. I mean, you're just barely paying the bills, and it's not much fun if you're operating there. So, um, you know, we, we like to, for our size of property, we like to be at least 75 percent or higher. And uh, and then when you get the ones that go 80 to 90
0: percent annually. Uh, you know, those that's a that's a really good property. So, um, so and and when you guys are looking at occupancy, I mean, I know it's a guess game when you're doing your feasibility. Said I want to get back to that because let's. This is a great example. You have one under construction in California. So California is going to be a lot different than us because you know from the construction side, are these all union contractors that you have to use in California, or are you able to use um, private? No, contractors? not out. Uh, La is over by Palm
1: Springs, and it's not as uh, uh, we haven't run into uh, union type situations yet. So that's that's a good news there. But California is a lot more difficult to a lot of guys were saying, well good luck with that. You know, yeah. <laughs> kind the cost of cost construction
0: and, permits and some
1: of the permit, just the bureaucracy there yeah, and the bureaucracy and a lot models. of the studies that you have to do and mm-hmm. just environmental impact. In, and, yeah, they they have a lot more going on there. matter of fact, uh they have a manual with in the Marriott brand. They have, okay, this is for the the United States. These are all the brand specs and everything, and then they have a whole separate book for California. So so you know you're uh, getting into some... Uh, different territory. Different territory, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, that's where I come from. My dad worked there many years, so I know a lot of the different things that you're dealing with that I'm not dealing with right here in Phoenix. Yeah, thank goodness, right? <laughs> yeah, thank goodness. That's why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> not to get political, but... um. You know, going back to that, so California, so you're looking at the construction costs, you're looking at the different requirements, and then how are you analyzing, right, sleep rates and taxes with the city? I mean, is all that public knowledge for you when you're doing the research and feasibility study, because that all comes into play as, you know, there's if there's resort fees or impact fees or parking fees, you know, because yeah. you still have to make sure that all the numbers work for the user, right, that they're coming in, but those dollars still work for you based on a guessment of occupancy. Right, yeah,
1: yeah, and that's part of our... Our research, it is a
0: little more. It's more expensive to operate there because uh, um, of what you have to pay the staff that's working there. I mean, I'm sure that may change even.
1: Yeah, I mean, you never know. You hear a lot of things in in certain parts of California. It's already you know minimum wage is already 15 bucks or or, or higher. And uh, but out in that particular part, it's about what Arizona is now. It's about 12 bucks uh, an hour. But uh, we expect that to go up. So. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we we look
0: at all that when we're when we're going there. So we're we're. Uh, jumping and the cost of land. You're looking at cost of land and development and just everything else and the contractor you're using, which are good friends of mine too, good friends of ours that do all of your hotels. So are they traveling there too for you? Yeah,
1: yeah, they travel uh, they travel to most of the states for us and and uh, we we typically our are, our area that we've developed in has been. Uh, mainly Arizona, Utah, Colorado, and New Mexico, and uh, in Colorado. So, so yeah. yeah, in Colorado. So now we're moving into California. This is our first venture into California. Oh, it is. We've, this
0: is your first California. Yeah, trip.
1: yeah. We've we've looked at it over the years. And we just have always decided not to, but uh, we thought we would. Uh, what made you pull the trigger to want to go to California? Oh, we had a we had a group that came to us and and had some land, and uh, so we went over and started looking in the area. and We thought, yeah, this actually might not be a bad place to take a look and uh, that ended up, they ended up not wanting to do the development and sold the land so we found another site right close to there and so that's that's how we got over there. We just, you know somebody was saying hey we think this would be a great spot and, and we hear that a lot and a lot of times what most people think would be a great spot is, is really probably not a great spot but uh, like we've had properties in leisure markets where they say oh man we had one particular property that people go up there in the summertime they, you know, thought we were making money hand over fist and said, man, you guys must start doing great. But there was only about eight weeks of... Uh, of, of good of, occupancy. Of, of that occupancy. And then uh, the rest of the year, it depended on uh, snow for skiing. And if you didn't have good snow, it was just a, no a showing di- up. dismal year. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty tough to make money on certain properties
0: like that. But uh, they're real seasonal. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So when you are looking at these hotels, I mean... Is is there a hold that you want to hold them for? I mean, are you looking short term, long term? Are you looking to be keep these fifteen years, five years? I mean, or does it vary by location? It it varies by the property and the location. Uh,
1: you know, typically, I would I would say we would want to keep them. You know, about ten to twelve years is kind of ideal. Um, for, I mean, for us, a lot of other people they have different views. Everybody kind of has their niche in the hotel business on how they. You know how they go about it, and some people buy like to buy older properties and, and refurbish you know, them, refurbish and them, and mm-hmm. yeah, do that. And, and I think for us, it's, it's kind of that whole time is ideally in around 10 to 12 years. But we've got properties, I got a property now that's 22 years old.
0: And, uh, and how, when you have a property that's 20 years old, I mean, is there a time frame when you're looking at it saying it's time to bite the bullet and put some money back into this and, and give it a facelift? I mean, is there, or does it again yeah. vary? Yeah, yeah, and with
1: Marriott you've got a you've got a refer you got to remodel every seven years.
0: Oh, so it's seven year requirement by Marriott. Seven year requirement, yeah. And uh and uh so and how do they dictate that? Is there uh, a standard that they have to, you know, whether it be new finishes, new carpet, you know, new paint, you know, just kinda get it a little fresher? or Yeah, they spec all that out,
1: they you know, and it's pretty much uh on your first remodel, you pretty much leave the case goods there, the furniture, but everything else—the carpet, the drapes, the wall coverings—all uh, of that gets changed. Uh, and then on the 14-year one, you usually rip out tile, you rip out
0: um, plumbing fixtures, and change some of the plumbing the fixtures or
1: the tub surrounds, or uh, you know, you do more extensive and and uh, so it, it gets it gets are pretty they, expensive. But are they dictating
0: the FF&E too at that? You know, at that 14-year mark.
1: Yes. That's, yes, and and it's uh, they have a standard package Marriott does, and there's some variation to it that we can select, um, or if you do a custom, if, if which makes sense in certain locations where you'd want a you know a little maybe nicer, or a little more uh, whether it be modern or
0: whatever kind of. Yeah, if you're there. on the beach, you want more of a yeah. beachy theme kind of going mm-hmm. on in that
1: type of furniture. So you can do a custom package, but you have to go through Marriott. It's a pretty extensive deal you've got to give them all the specs on the furniture and and you know all the details about the fabrics and you know
0: so this is really important and and i want to touch on this a minute because i know you know when you're working with you know either private if you're doing a private boutique hotel or whatever you have your own flexibility you know when you're picking furniture but what you're alluding to is if you're doing a marion hotel that you're picking from a design package, and are you buying through Marriott's vendors that they've already pre-approved and the specs are approved?
1: You can, you can do it either way. You can buy through Marriott, or there's companies out there that know Marriott specs very well and who you can buy through. Uh, I typically prefer to just go through Marriott. It's easier. It's streamlined for me. Uh, it's, a lot of the stuff's the same stuff that you'd get through somebody else, but you don't have to deal with them personally it's just a, deal with yeah. them and coordinate with them with Marriott to get approvals and you know this and that so it's uh, yeah so they, they pretty much will provide it you know through Marriott if you want to go that route
0: but then even if you're going custom if you want to do something more boutique you still have to get that approved and have Marriott sign off on the right. specs absolutely yeah which can be costly and time consuming time consuming now. yeah that's, a, that's
1: it, it's a big headache but mm-hmm. I mean if you know certain projects you know are worth it so um,
0: and what are some of the brands that you, well, well, before we get to the brands, how many right now you currently have 16 hotels right under your umbrella. How many have you built over the years? Do you have a number there? We've probably close to 50. Uh, we started
1: back in the early 80s. Um, and uh, I, uh, my brother started, actually me and my brother partners, and uh, he started the business, and I was in college actually. And, and uh, so I joined him in 85. He started in about 81, 82. And uh, he was in real estate, and he got into construction and was building different things and decided he would try a little 40-unit Best Western Hotel. <laughs> so that's a... Uh, that was the first, that, that was the flagship project. That was the flagship project. And then, and then I joined him a few years later, and uh, uh, right when I was graduating from college, and I uh, had uh, worked at a hotel and uh, really liked it. And, and so we would talk, you know, about hotels and whatnot, and... So we started from there, and, and, uh, and we'd do one or two every year, and, and uh, for the last 35 years, uh, you know, when there's been a few times when the economy's crashed where nobody was developing anything for a couple of years, like back around 2009 mm-hmm. to 2012, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Nobody could, you know, get financing. Uh, the banks were pretty well... Not, yeah, they were tight. ...not lending, unless yeah. you wanted
0: to put up 50% equity, and yeah. so there, not a lot of guys were wanting to do that. So. And are you looking when you're putting up in a hotel? Are these self-funded? Are these, uh, you know, are you leveraging financing? Are you working with investors, the pool of investors, or does it vary? We we try to do most of it ourselves and uh, try to use our own equity. And and
1: uh, you know, there like I said, there's a lot of the, a lot of guys that I know and I'm friends with in the hotel business. Some of them are just wanting to grow. They just take a small piece of the pie and they just want to get as many hotels as they can. And they try to use other people's money or they get you know the capital uh, uh equity groups uh, mm-hmm. that uh, bring bring the equity to the table and and uh, but with us we we've been I'm very targeted very targeted and we've we brought in a couple of partners we typically don't like to use too many partners if we don't have to but uh every once in a while uh, you need a little little boost on
0: some of these projects but uh so yeah we try to do most of it ourselves and that's really nice so with your background in college did you study real estate do you study business or how does or is this most of this self-taught as you and your brother started building you know your portfolio
1: yeah we uh it's kind of uh kind of learn and learn on the on the fly <laughs> for us mainly but uh we were both business majors in college and uh um but uh he had a good handle on construction he, he had got into construction and and did real well there and and uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you you learn a lot over the years, but we started out doing a lot of small properties in rural markets that hadn't been... That was kind of our, our niche when we first started. Uh, There's a lot of towns around, you know, Arizona mainly, that hadn't had a new hotel in years and had a lot of old mom-and-pop type type places. And so we kind of targeted some of those markets. And, we, and uh, you know, so I think it was half brains, half luck uh, type of deal. You know, you... Uh, and there's a lot of guys that have, have tried it and, and didn't do so well. But you, there's nothing better than a great, great hotel. But there's nothing worse than a bad hotel. It can just really drain you quick. So, um, but we've, you know, we uh, we're pretty lucky. We had a lot of good, good projects that we did and and uh, kind of boosted us to the next level. We started, we start, you know, we did a lot of holiday ends and Best Westerns and Comfort Ends and properties like that. And then about. uh Around uh, 1999, we, started, we got our first Marriott franchise, and we really stuck with Marriott the whole way. We would do Hilton, too, but we have such a good relationship with Marriott, we've kind of stuck with it. Why
0: did, why, what was the difference? Why did you want to stick with them? Just, uh, there was just,
1: you know, it's, it's at a, we felt like it was at a different level, and, uh, and Marriott's really a great company relationship-wise. Uh, you know, there's just good relationships that we built there, and, and uh, the, the business that... Uh, came through came through marriott.com uh, you know and back then it was on their 1-800 number but yeah uh, <laughs> yeah uh you know they just brought a lot more business than some of the other brands and and we felt like it was you know they, they held everybody to a little bit higher standard on and, and we like that too so we we kind of stuck with them
0: that's on really nice. that so in the marriott brand now i mean what are some of the brands that you have under your umbrella From a product side? Uh, Well, we have uh, some Fairfield inns, some Town Place
1: suites, some Spring Hill suites, Uh, we have some courtyards, Uh, we've got some residence inns, and uh, yeah, so we're... uh, When are you building our next Ritz? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that might be a while. But uh, we're, uh, Mary, has got. You should n- go
0: somewhere easy like Manhattan or something, right? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, that would be. There's been a lot of new hotels built in Manhattan. There's some guys like I Obama. know that have done that, and it's, uh, yeah, that's not easy. It's a tough market. Tough market, but uh, it must be. A little more expensive than Phoenix, but. A little more,
0: yeah. A <laughs> little more union there. Yep. So, you know, as far as going back to um, uh, the hotel industry, so. You're staffing all these, so how are you managing, you know, all the, the nuances of the day-to-day, you know, hiring, uh, training, and just keeping up with the labor? I mean, we're dealing with labor, but so are you.
1: Yeah, uh, we, uh, yeah, it's, it's gotten more difficult, for sure. Um, we, <clears throat> we have our corporate office here, and I have about 20 people on staff that, uh, and I have people that, um, you know, handle things from, like, you know, the maintenance and mechanical, I've got a an, an IT
0: guy that handles all the IT uh, stuff. Uh, and are they handling all your locations based here or do you have one remotely at each property? You know, some of them are based here, but some of them work remotely
1: or in and travel. I have a revenue manager that uh, he works remotely and, and I've got a couple of development guys that uh, are doing, you know, working on development stuff, entitlements and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, We've got, uh, then I've got some uh, operation director of operations that uh, have so many properties each and they kind of oversee the managers and the staff. And At each property, we hire, we hire a general manager and, and they hire their staff. And then we have our corporate staff that kind of assists them and oversees them, make sure they're following our standards as well as
0: Marriott or Holiday Inn or, or whoever. And, uh, and, and are you training them regularly? I mean, is the staff here going out to those properties and training, you know? The managers there, and the cleaning crew, and everyone that's oh, involved. yeah, right? ab- absolutely, yeah, and
1: uh, and we have a we have a trainer on staff, the a corporate trainer that just focuses on training, and and uh, uh, somebody that oversees the sales and marketing. I have a corporate
0: sales and marketing guy that oversees the sales and marketing people at each at each hotel. And uh, Well, how does that, you know, what, what would that entail for you? Because you have Marriott as a brand that's globally marketing, right? And mm-hmm. a lot of us are rewards members. We know that. We can look it up. So how does that change for the franchisee? What is it that you're looking at for sales and marketing of your properties? Well, just, just our
1: local markets, who's coming in. Uh, you know, they, uh, they, they'll send out, companies will send out uh, requests for, for bids. And, and uh, so we have to answer that and have somebody there that's, that's, Answering those and and bidding on the business coming in and
0: and uh, so maybe in Sedona you're looking at companies in Phoenix who want to do retreats and you're trying to you know just book corporate stays or whatever it may be to get people up to that property. Exactly, yeah, and uh, working
1: with tour companies, uh, mm-hmm. they work a lot with tour companies. Sedona's uh, uh, we have a property there now, we're building another one, but uh and that was a that was a difficult
0: build too. It's just you know it's just hard to. So I want to get to that because I think what you're alluding to, I, want, I made some notes here as you were talking, you talked about entitlements. And so mm-hmm. explain to uh, the listeners that don't understand what that means, the entitlement process, that pre-construction before you break ground, what are some of the issues you have and what is an entitlement?
1: Well, it's just, uh, you know, you you, know, you got to get the zoning. And uh, that was a problem in Sedona. And, and why was that? Were the neighbors fighting you?
0: Was it the, Everybody. just a small city? And, yeah,
1: they're just not real... Uh, uh, growth, you know, uh, motivated up there. They don't want a lot of commercial growth, and and uh, we went up there and said, "Hey, well, we're going to bring a Marriott to your community." And there's not a Marriott brand there now, and and uh, they weren't they weren't impressed or excited. <laughs> so, uh, and the neighbors weren't either. And so, uh, but anyway, so we we got through that somehow.
0: And uh,
1: but yeah, and then, how did you?
0: Because I'm sure you had some neighbors that were. Showing up at the town hall meeting, not happy about it, or complaining to the you know municipality about what you're doing. So how do you you know work through that process?
1: Well, we did, and uh, you know we tried to be a good neighbor. We met with the neighbors, and uh, we actually have a great rapport with uh, the neighborhood next to us now, and uh, we've we have assisted them with some things, and uh, uh, and uh, you know you want to go in and be a, a good neighbor to the to people, and uh, if you go in and fight them and and uh it, you know that usually doesn't work uh very well or you're not very well received but i think we now we've been well received in the community and and uh but yeah just getting through just getting the uh working with the municipality there and and uh trying to get you know in the, the the water uh the different you know getting getting water
0: to the site and sewer and all that kind of stuff uh you know, there's a process, and it's it's. And just does the city make you, you know, as you're putting in the hotel? I mean, you talk about just the utility tie-ins, and that complexity that comes in. And the, you know, are they making you work on the any site work and making you incur those costs or fixing the roads, you know, around the property or some of the deceleration lanes? You know, all the little things that go into it. Then now, as a developer, you know, they're having you foot the bill for that.
1: Yeah, they 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 had some things. Uh, you know, we had to. Uh, uh, Put up some money for the uh, affordable housing fund in the city, and uh, we contributed quite a bit to that. And then uh, we've we helped with uh, build trails with the Friends of the Forest because we back right up to the Forest Service, and so we uh, donated some money to the Friends of the Forest. There was some of that kind of stuff that we did. Public art uh, as a requirement. Um, they wanted us to put in a bus stop, and uh, so
0: yeah, it was uh, it was. All those little things to add on that you have to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah and didn't there, they have yeah. you add something, whether it was signage or some kind of, weren't you tell me there was something out front or some landscaping that they had you do in addition, or was that a different property? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we did some pretty extensive landscaping.
1: I'm not sure about that project, but uh, we had to do public art. We had to do some, you know, we did some bronzes
0: and some different things out there. But uh, just to increase the look of the facade there. Yeah, yeah. So, Brian, you know, for those of us listening, I mean, is there, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've dealt with in the hotel industry that maybe as lay folk or those that are outside the industry would not even think about or or relate to?
1: Well, uh, it is, uh, you know, it's difficult to find people anymore. I mean, just, uh, people to clean rooms, people to work front desk, uh, and, uh, you know, just the labor part of it is, is difficult, um as far as business-wise, I mean, there's, you know, it's, it's a, can be a fun business, uh, with social media, uh, today, in today's world, uh, that's, that's a whole new dimension that we've had to learn to deal with in the last 10, 15 years, and, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people, we, we get a lot of real positive comments, uh, when I look at our social media, you know, people commenting on our, our hotel, and, and most of our comments are very positive, and the room was great, the property was clean, the beds are great, and then you'll get one guy that says that was the worst bed I've ever slept on, and, and uh, that was, uh, you know, I, the
0: people were rude, and, and I'm thinking, really? Are they talking about the same property as these other right 15 people? And uh, Well, how do you deal with that? Because you can't make everyone happy. That's so difficult, and especially today, whether you're in the yeah. food industry, hotel industry, customer service it's customer service and you're going to have people that are just out there anyways. Yeah. Unrealistic.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you even
0: manage all the, you know, that part of it?
1: You know, you just have to deal with it. Some people, uh, we've had people become general managers that, uh, were great, you know, great people, good at operations, uh, hard workers and whatnot, but they just, they just couldn't take dealing with the, you know, that, that guest that shows up every once in a while. And is like, you know, you're, you know, this is horrible. You're, I want a free room. I want free breakfast. I, want, free, I want points, and uh, you know, they they start demanding everything, and they're just ugly and mean. And and uh, some people are just not cut out for for dealing with people like that. But uh, it's tough. It can be stressful. It can be stressful, and and you can't. It and it doesn't matter. You know what? What we always tell them is there's going to be some people that no matter what you do, you could roll out a red carpet for them, and and, uh, do everything you could possibly think of for them. And they're still not going to be happy.
0: And there's just people like that. So, um, uh, but and I've, and I've spoken with other people in that similar industries, whether it be the restaurant or hotel. And they say, you know, that they've seen, um, you know, there's people actually target that because they know they can get a free room and they can get free food and, you know, they're willing to make people uncomfortable just to kind of leverage that.
1: Yeah. Uh, which there's, there's definitely, I mean, you get the feeling that there are people like that sometimes, but, but for the most part, the people are nice and people, you know, want to be nice and are good people. And, and, uh, the hotel business is fun. You see people from all over the world. Uh, I think my favorite, favorite job was back in college when I was working the front desk. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Cause, uh, I met people from all over the place. Uh, um, I had, I remember the leader of the hell's angels came into the <laughs> front desk one time and, uh, and, uh, I actually talked to him and, but you find a lot of interesting people? I, uh,
0: We've had a few movie stars stay at our properties, uh, and uh, it's probably pretty surprising for the you know the person at the front desk. They see them walk in, recognize them, but you know don't want to make a too big of a deal about it. Right, right. And uh, so
1: anyway, but it's for the most part, it's it's a great business and it's it's a fun business. As you know, as long as the economy's good and you're doing good. Yeah. You know, when we have the dips in the economy, we feel it too, and and uh, have to really pull in the reins and. And manage
0: a little differently but uh but for the most part it's a it's a great business so when you talk about social media which is a big part you know a lot of us are leveraging social media so are there you know for your properties are you looking at yelp are you looking at you know google maps you know to have reviews i mean i'm sure that's important for that location
1: right well even on the marriott website when you look at hotels on the marriott website you can look at the reviews from and the i marriott do reviews yeah
0: and i just actually booked one you know we're going out for Lux Awards in, uh, my wife and I were looking, and you can see all the user reviews It's the State of Marion. There's right. thousands of them, and it's you know to five point scale, and they're all rating and what they thought about that one. And right. So that really does impact you, I'd imagine. Yeah, yeah, and
1: uh, so you can go there. You can go to Yelp or TripAdvisor is a TripAdvisor really popular. is a big one for uh, for hotels and and uh, but what I've learned from being in this business is when I read reviews on other properties, I, I take it with a grain of salt because I, I know the people who are just were problems at our properties, and so when I read them, I'll see one bad one. But if I'll see most of them are real positive and real good, and you see that, mm-hmm. and I always kind of go to the bad ones to see what what, what are, they're saying, what they're saying, and if it's uh, you know consistent or, uh, and then you can kind of tell you know, and every once in a while, I, I mean, I admit you know we, one of our people screw up or uh, we don't do something very good or the room wasn't cleaned up to uh, up to standard. You know, we had an employee who didn't do their job and. And that happens from time to time. So uh, <clears throat> but anyway, if you see a lot of you know, you'd see a lot of bad scores and, and whatnot, then then you can tell there's a and there's something uh, there. there's a trend going on there. So
0: So one last thing I wanna to touch on and, and this is going back to when you're talking about some of the requirements by Marriott and refurbishing and, and even as you're being a new developer, so when you're looking at a new hotel, are you looking at certain amenities now? I mean, how has that changed with with Younger crowds. I've seen a lot of these hotels, you know, they want to have, you know, restaurants on the first floor and open bars and different things, entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, so how has the amenities changed Is that something that's required by Marriott or is that something that you as the franchisee developer needs to look at about what are we doing to cater to? No, they you know, pretty much, crowd?
1: yeah, Marriott pretty much dictates what amenities you, you have to have. <clears throat> and then, you know, with a lot of the brands, they don't want you to go, you know, do a whole different like, you know, put a uh, a big disco in the in the first floor <laughs> or something like that you know they don't want to you know because then people people want an expectation when they go to properties and so they don't want somebody going wild and doing their own thing
0: that no and, one else has yeah, yeah that no
1: one else has and then they go to the next property and the people are dissatisfied but uh so they, uh, but yeah the amenities are definitely changed and upgraded you know the breakfasts are better and and uh more extensive and uh a lot of the you know they're working on mobile check-in is a new thing that's coming down so you don't even have to go to the front desk and and there's a lot
0: of issues with that but they're they're working through them and, and that's that's a new so with mobile check-in are they looking at where you have apps and you have you know technology mm-hmm. on the doors it'll just unlock that yep. form or so they don't even have to check in and get a traditional room key
1: yep yep and uh so that's that's the direction that, that that's all going but uh and then uh just a, a lot of the stuff like the like we've replaced all of our TV systems with a with a system where like in the Marriott brand anyway you can go on and, and get onto Netflix or and log in your account and and stream you know the shows you like to watch and it and it pops right up on the screen there and and uh, <clears throat> so it's you know technology's changing everything they're going more and more to s- smart rooms and we have to Keeping up, up.
0: keeping up with the bandwidth has uh, been, a, been a challenge over the years. And, yeah. Well, there's a price to it, but there's a time to it. I mean, there's a lot of things that right. affect you as the, as the end manager, right. right? Right, right. So, Brian, can't thank you enough for coming on. I mean, you've been amazing. I just, you know, you've shared some great insight, a lot of things I've learned about the hotel industry, so can't thank you enough for coming on. So where, where can our users find you? Uh, well, we, our, our
1: website for our company is sunrichhotels.com. And uh, you can, uh, it's Sunridge, S-U-N-R-I-D-G-E, and uh, it just shows a little bit about our company and uh, some of our properties. And
0: so do they, you do have the properties there on your website as well for them? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's great. Well, I know I've been to one of yours, and it's super nice, and you guys do a great job. So can't thank you enough for making the time. All right, good to be here. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Brian. Bye. I want to thank you all for tuning in today with Brian Walker. And this past week, as most of you know, we were at The Builder Show in las vegas and one of the neat events we had was thursday at the scs phone booth and there was a guest speaker joe stebrick who most of you know who's the king of building science and sat down had a discussion with him about advanced framing and building science and design mechanical design everything that goes into building a more energy efficient home so although the sound wasn't great because we didn't have a mic we did record the episode And we will publish that. So that'll be coming up next. So stay tuned as we release that episode with Mr. Joe.